Well, we are having nothing but major difficulties with technology, so you might be the only ones who hear this message, which will be fine. Um, Tim and them are going to try to work on it. We'll see what happens. But the reality is we had the feed going. Everything was great. We don't know why. It's just not uh, going. So we're going to go from there. Hey, um, I'm going to have Tim in a second switch to my screen. And um, let me uh, encourage you guys that if you have your U version, that you can go to there as well. And um, we're just going to get started on uh, where God has us. Let me just pray. You all would pray, but I want to pray one last thing. Let's call my spirit and get us going into what we need to be doing. So let's do that. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for today. And Father, uh, yeah, uh, for whatever reason, technology is not working. And so, Father, I just ask that if you have an answer for that, that you would take care of that. Uh, but, Father, for those who are uh, here, Father, may your word uh, uh, just really ring true to us today. And so, Father, would you just be in the midst of this? And, Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. It has been interesting uh, to watch uh, what has been happening this week. And let me just say this real quick, and that way we just have a, 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 a standard. I have heard the extreme of, of, of all the fear and the anxiety of what is happening with um, this virus to the, hey, it's not going to be a big deal. This is all blown out of proportion. But let me tell you where God led my heart. And it's this idea that if we have a chance to take care of the least of these, we should. If we have a chance to make sure that there's any chance that a least of these could be affected, why would we not love them this way? And what's been interesting is um, I've had a couple of friends call me and say, Jeff, I think there's a lot of people today that are going, oh, home church, huh. This whole idea of if I have a Bible and I have a living room, I could do something powerful, right? This idea of that. And so as we work out these issues, as we work out things going forward, I'm hoping that what will happen is, is that people on streets will go to their next door neighbor and say, come in and do church in my living room. I'm hoping that people will all of a sudden find a way to go and take care of their neighbors, to take care of those in their inner circle. That all of a sudden, through whether it be through a chat or whether that be on a text, that all of a sudden people are really caring for each other and that the church rises up. I told you two weeks ago about the time that all of the missionaries got kicked out of China and everyone thought things were a defeat and it was just this horrible feeling when the reality is that was God starting something new. And I'm hoping we're going to feel that now. It's all of a sudden we go, oh, this thing, you know, church services aren't happening and so many different things aren't taking place. And we can go back like, no, this is when people started stepping into their neighborhood in a powerful way. So I'm just telling you that I come to you actually very, very encouraged. I come to you today really just wanting you to know um, that I have a message that I hope is going to be impactful for you. It is interesting that we've been doing this series on sustenance. Do we believe that we have a God who sustains us? And can I just tell you, not a better option of what we do. And so here we are in this context. Do we believe we have a God who sustains us even if the world is in a place of a riot. How does the church have a different view, a different place, a different stake in what was going on? And so we're going to be walking through that. It's interesting. Every week we've given you this definition, so I'm not going to stop now. Means of support, maintenance, subsistence, food, provision, also nourishment. And by the way, You've been in the stores. There's people that are really wor worried about food and provisions and all those things. We've been watching that all happen. The act of sustaining, the state of being sustained, supplying or being supplied with the necessities of life, and then something that gives support, endurance, and strength. And so we've been using that as our definition as we've been walking through this time. So, um, here we go. Get ready for our little journey uh, today. We're going to start off in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 with these. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. How do we get into this place where you go, God, we rejoice in you. We rejoice in what's taking place. I got kids that are rejoicing. They're coming home from school. They're going to be in my house. They're like, woo, this is great. They're going to get checked out a computer, and they're going to be great. Ben's on his way home now. His school at GCU decided that um, all classes from this point out are going to be online. So he's like, I'm coming to come home. I'm going to come home. Yay. So he's on his way. And, and so there's all this sense of family coming together. But, but how do we rejoice when there is so much fear? And it's an interesting to me that how many believers I've talked to, they just go, I, I'm just trusting God. I'm rejoicing in him. I'm trusting and rejoicing in what is taking place. The next verse says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. We've been hearing it all week. Don't panic. Right? Because they're all of a sudden, have you ever noticed when there is a hard situation, that person that can just be reasonable and, 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 and healthy can just be like, yeah, we're, here we are. This is what's taking place. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. These are times when we ask that word anything, you mean this? You mean this thing? Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now notice, we are allowed to make our requests to God. That doesn't say, do not be anxious and therefore have no concern and no care. No, there's just no anxiety because of who we're talking to. But I can still request for people to not get this virus and for people to be well and for people to be protected. I can still make those requests. I can still ask for God to be in the midst of everything that's going on. I can still make those requests. I can do that. And I have been on behalf of people that I care for. On behalf of my parents who are in that place. And my, my dad called me. He goes, yeah, we were at Cracker Barrel this morning. I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? He's like, I'm with the Cracker Barrel. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to stop his life. So there you go. But how do we, in our heart, make our requests known to God? And then finally, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now watch this. Here we go. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, watch this, and your minds. Folks, I'm just telling you that we need to be a people that need to have our minds and our hearts guarded with peace. That word peace is shalom. Shalom. When you would say shalom to somebody, it would be this idea that I only want peace for you, but I want good for you. I want favor for you. I want blessing for you. And I just want to pray shalom over you. That we would be a people of shalom. That we would be a people of peace. And again, when we have that peace, then my mind gets guarded. And I'm not thinking of the absolute worst thing that could happen. And I'm not thinking about how all of this is going. No, I'm in a place of peace. And that's what I'm praying today. In Matthew 6, 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And so all of a sudden, there's this thing where Jesus, that was, by the way, Paul speaking. Here comes Jesus who just goes, don't be anxious. But it's hard. 
We're concerned for our kids. We're concerned for the well-being of our families. But how do we stand in these moments and go, no, I have a God that has this. I have the God who is in the midst of this. And as I shared two weeks ago, Luke 12, 25, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Man, I, I, there's these people that are just sitting and panicked in a, in a supermarket and, the, and, and, I, and I feel for them. I hurt for them because their hope is in what they can find in a supermarket and their hope is in their job and and how do we spend something greater and say, God, you know what? My hope is not here. He says, all this is going to burn. All this is going away. How do I trust him in that? So I want to share with you what God laid on my heart this week. In this season in my life, the story of Jesus in the, sto- in the boat in the storm has been an anchor for me. And I just really felt like that this was the day to kind of share what God has been doing in my life through this story. I want to show you something that maybe you haven't seen. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. So, let's be aware. In this boat, there is a storm, and it has already affected those inside the boat. Let's just be honest with that. It's already happened. The waves have come over. The boat is filling. These are people that would know the difference. You have, again, Peter and John, them being fishermen. This is a storm. And they're watching that which should be on the outside of the boat come into the inside of the boat. They are affected by this. And so what happens is, is the thing that is most intriguing to me. But he, being Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care? There you go. Stop right there. Those four words. Do you not care? I think that's where a lot of people are. God, do you not care? This, this disease can hurt so many people. Do you not care? This is going to affect my business. Do you not care? This is really scary because of my uh, elderly parents. Do you not care? It's an interesting thing because they could have asked so many different questions in that moment. I would have asked different questions, but their question was this. Do you not care? Because as we're going to find out, they've already made a decision. They could have asked questions like, teacher, what can you do about this? They could have asked that question. They didn't. They could have asked, teacher, why is this happening? They didn't. They could have woke up Jesus and asked, Teacher, do you understand that we are scared? They didn't. Teacher, is there something we should be doing? That could have been a great question. Is there something that we should be participating in? That would have been a great question. But their question was, do you not care? Because this next phrase 
tells you where they're at. That we are perishing. Where have they already gone in their minds? It's done. We're not getting out of this. Don't you care that we are perishing? When we get to an end result decision, when we get to the place where we go, this is it, then we start asking questions. Don't you care that this is over? Don't you care that this is... Because they've already gone to a place of this is done. Here's the problem. They're saying it to the very last person they should be saying that to. They're saying it to Jesus. They're saying it to the one who, by the way, they have watched make the paralyzed man walk. They have watched him heal and move. And he has said what his purpose is. He has given them the result already that I am bringing a kingdom. He did not say, I'm here to die in this boat. It isn't going to happen this way. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, be still, peace. I love that. Remember, peace. Shalom. Be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? It's a great question. He asks a great question. Why are you so afraid? Because if we answer that, it's because I don't believe you can save me. I believe this is outside of your ability. I believe there's a ceiling on how much you can do, and we've passed that ceiling. See, Jesus is asking a very important question. Why are you so afraid? What about this is bringing fear? Now, it just seems obvious because water's coming in the boat. Because there, the virus has made it to our shores. Why are you so afraid? Because this seems bigger. This seems unable to be dealt with. I don't have the ability to stop this. I can quarantine and I can distance, but why am I afraid? Because, and this is it, here you, have you still? Have you still? No faith. Church, this is pre-crucifixion and resurrection. This is pre-Jesus doing things like raising Lazarus from the dead. So I'm going to give the apostles a little bit of wiggle room here. But folks, church, cedars, out of all that we know God is and does, have you still? Have you still? No faith. There's a difference when you start to realize he has so got my world. He so sustains me. He sustains me through all that is going on. He has this. 
So here's what's been happening. I wanted one of them. There were 12 of them. I wanted one of them that just would have sat on the cushion next to Jesus going, I'm good. I'm good. If he's here, I'm good. If he's in this boat, we're okay. Because listen, let me tell you this, guys. This is where I want to be in my life. If he's asleep on the cushion, that means everything is really good. And I just want to sit there and go, wow, this is going to be a great storm. This is going to be awesome. These waves are going to get really high. This this boat is going to get completely tossed around. I can't imagine where this is going to go, but I know this. He ain't going down. Therefore, I'm not going down. Therefore, hang on and watch the ride. Hang on and watch what God is doing. Hang on that he will take storms and bring them into beautiful places. And that's what I want in one of them. And here's what I want to say to Jeff. Jeff, be the one who sits next to the cushion and watches the ride. Because he ain't going anywhere. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Their ceiling just got raised. Church, where's your ceiling of what God can do? Where's your ceiling as to what he can forgive and what he can heal and how he can protect? Where's your ceiling? So, I got to share with you another story of another boat. So we have the 12 on the boat with Jesus, and he's saying, do you still? We have another boat. It's a boat where Paul is being forced to go on this boat as a prisoner to get from where he is uh, in Joppa, the city in that area, to Rome. As we know, he gets out, and they, they begin to take this ship. By the way, 267 lives on this ship. They end up in this place where after they had, they had stayed overnight, they decided that before the winter comes, they're going to they're gonna risk it. They're going to go. And we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 27, and we're going to start in verse 14. But soon a tempestuous wind called a northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were being driven along. Do you guys hear this? We gave way to it, and we were being driven along. In that, I want you to understand, Paul's on this ship. He has no power. He's literally just a guy that, you know, is being on this as a prisoner. He's, he's there with other prisoners. Now, you need to understand on this ship that this is what we learn is on this ship. 267 people. Its belly is filled of two things, wheat and cargo. Wheat and cargo, by the way, that's how ships made their money. They would transport what was needed, cargo of either the people or what was needed in the way of of this. But it also had another, another cargo, by the way, prisoners, Paul being one of them. So three cargoes on this ship, wheat, cargo, prisoners. So they just let the, the, the wind start taking them. By the way, after they had a boat that was kind of a little like a little dinghy boat that was a sea boat, they hoisted it up and they used supports to undergird the ship. So they put ropes underneath the ship because it was pretty severe. Then fearing that they would run aground on, on Sirtis, um, um, there we go, 
They lowered the gear and thus were driven along. Since we were, we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. I love that. Cargo is important, by the way, if you don't know that. It's how the guy makes his money. Next day, cargo goes over. Why? Lighten the ship. So all that was really precious a few days before, <laughs> off it goes. They jettisoned the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. This is what I still don't understand. Tackle is how you control the ship. But in the storm, there was no raising the sails. There was no doing all this stuff. So they're going, guys, we're not raising the sails. This thing as a piece of wood is getting blown. They took the tackle and threw that overboard. That's serious. So you aware. Jump down to verse 25. You can read through all of this. It's a great accounting. I'm going to skip for time's sake. So take heart, men, for I have faith. Wait, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. He talks to these people. They think they're in a bad place. Paul gets them all together and says, For take heart, men, for I have what? Now what's different is, is that Jesus says, Why do you still have no faith? Paul's sitting there going, um, I have faith. Now, you have to understand, to 267 people, they're like, Oh, good that you have faith. Good for you. Because they're seeing the same thing those 12 guys saw. Water's coming in. We've gotten rid of cargo. We've gotten rid of tackle. Oh, you have faith. Good for you. Watch what he says. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that, he will, he will, um, that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. Oh, good. We're going to live, but we're going to run aground on some island. That's what his God has told him. Verse 27. When the 14th night... Had come as we are being driven across the Adriatic Sea. 14. About midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. Okay, things had changed, they were nearing land. And it goes on, it will tell the story. By the way, this is where they get rid of the wheat. Jump down to verse 20, uh, uh, jump down to verse 41. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground, the bow stuck and remained immovable, and the sternum was being broken by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners. All right! Here you are, Paul. We've made it through this and this and this, and now, as a prisoner, hey, let's just kill them because we can't let them get away. Oh, man. Lest they should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make it for land. The rest of you, grab a piece of wood. Here we go. By the way, all 276 of them made it. Now, I told you all of that to get to this. After we were brought safely through, no cargo, no wheat, no ship, no nothing, but they're safely through. We then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us an unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, he put them on the fire. A viper came out because of the heat and fastened it fastened on his hand. At this moment, you've got to say, you've got to be kidding me. 
Just, we made it. Woo, yay, we're safe. Woo, woo. Let me tell you what I know. Paul does not freak out because the Lord had told him, Paul, you're going to Rome. This is Paul. I ain't dying here. Look what he does. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, though he has escaped from the sea, justice is now, uh, is, has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature in the fire and suffered no harm. So Paul sees this thing, I'm sure it hurt, shakes it off, and goes, I'm not dying here. I got to get to Rome. I got to get to Caesar. God's already told me what I'm going to do. I'm not dying here. Now, Paul also has something else in his mind, and it's this. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Now, by the way, that can be fully taken out of context. Because I'm just telling you right now, when it says nothing shall hurt you, let's read 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28. Five times I received the hands of the Jews, the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in the toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, and often without food, in cold and exposure. I'm sure most of that hurt. But listen. There was a peace and a faith in Paul that says, I don't die on this ship, and I don't die in this bite if God has something greater for me. He is with me. Not that you're not going to suffer. Not that, by the way, people in this room could not get this virus. Not that it could be hard on you. And not, by the way, that people that we love could be affected to the point of death. I want you to be, uh, be, well, let's be honest about what can happen. But the reality is, none of those take him off his cushion. None take him off his cushion. None of this takes him from a place of saying, I am here, I am in the midst, and I am in the process. And you have Paul shaking his hand off going, uh, yeah, no, not this. I'm not asking you to run and do things that would be inappropriate that could hurt other people, but I do know this, that in over the years where people have ran away, the church has ran in. Where people have been scared, the church has said, we have a God. Jesus touches the leper. We look at Mother Teresa with the lepers in Calcutta, and we go, oh my word, look at that. Where the church pulls away, where the world pulls away, we push in. We do check on our neighbors. We do make sure they have what they need. We don't, it, by the way, I have a neighbor who's 80 next door. I don't come over here and go to his house and try to in any way endanger him, but I know that I can carefully put things on his porch and say, I hope that you're okay. Do you need anything? Call me. Do you need me to do an errand for you? Can I go to the store for you? 
Do you understand how we have a chance to pull in to this moment? Because our God is a God that has us, even if it means we get this virus. How do we do so to his glory? Paul, how did he do this? Let me explain to you. My first passage was out of the book of Philippians today. How did the church of Philippians start? He was beaten and put in jail. He actually brought a jailer to Christ, which started the first church in Philippi, and that's how it started. Not he walked in, preached a sermon, everyone came forward, woo! No, it's him singing hymns in a jail cell, and the jailer goes, I need that. How do we, even if we're sick, how do we, even if we're in this place, come up and go, I got this? How do we, if this affects our business, go, God still has me? How do we step into this place and go, you know what, my kids will drive me nuts, but I'll still love them? Three weeks in, by the way, we're not going to be worried about the coronavirus. It's going to be our kids. And we're going to be hugging teachers even though they don't want to be hugged anymore. (laughs) See, the thing is, how do we step into these places? Verse 28, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me and the anxiety for all the churches. By the, one who, by the way, I love that he uses the word anxiety when he originally says, don't be anxious about anything. Let you deal with the theology of that on your own. Here's where I'm at. See, here's the deal. Jesus was still Jesus before they got in the boat. Jesus was still Jesus when he was laying on the cushion. And Jesus was still Jesus when he said, peace be still. At no time did he ever change. The only issue was the faith of the people with him, church. Jesus is still Jesus before the coronavirus ever came. Jesus is still Jesus in the midst of this place. And he will be Jesus on the outside. Here's the deal. Will we waste this Or will we grow as a church? Will we find out how we can serve each other better? Will we find out that there are neighbors that we really need to take care of? People in our inner circle, family members that need to be loved on, and maybe for the first time are willing to have a conversation which they would never have before. Church, church, let us step into these moments. Hebrews 13, 68, this is how I want us to leave. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Let me read that to you again. I will not fear. For what can man do to me? What can this virus do to me? What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever. Folks, yes, I think we need to be careful with the least of these. I would never want to be because of my carelessness that I would give someone Um, this virus that would hurt them, infect them negatively. Do you know what I'm saying? We need to be wise. And that's why we did what we did today. We want to be wise. We want to make sure that, yes, I believe we need to flatten this curve. If there's any way we can do that that helps anybody, let us do so. But let us not be fearful. 
and let us not hold up in our houses in towers of toilet paper. Let us find a way to be a light on our street, a light in our inner circle, and a light to those who, by the way, are scared because they don't know that Jesus is on the cushion. And they don't know that he has this and that he's already died for them to give them hope and life and a future. So, yes, elbow bump, sneeze into your elbow. It's a lot of elbow things going on, I've realized. Yes, do whatever you have to do. But here's the deal. Don't stop loving. And I can be socially distant from you and still love you and connect with you and not be afraid. Yes, we have chosen to shut down um, the different studies that are going on. Just again, to that being overly cautious that we might be able to help some. But listen, let us not come back and go, that's over. Let us learn. Let us be better than, because this is what I know. (laughs) Watch this. Those 12 men never saw Jesus the same again once he calmed the waters. May you not see him ever that way again as he comes in and calms your heart. And if this storm continues to rage and more people are sick and more close downs and more things, sit on the cushion and go, God, you have this. And this is the best place I want to be because this is the best seat in the house. Best seat in the house. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, may we be a people who trust. And Father, yes, my heart is disappointed because I really wanted people uh, in their homes to hear this message. And maybe we can get it done by 11 o'clock and I'm putting that in your hands. But Father, I hope that our people went, oh, I can't find it. I hope they just didn't turn off the TV. I hope they found other churches that were tailing your truth this morning. The other people who are telling of your peace this morning. So Father, I just want to thank you so much that we've had the opportunity with those in this room to hear this message because maybe there's someone who just really needed this today. And Father, I would do whatever it took just to give one person who needs to know that you, you are still here and why are we afraid we have you let us stand on that truth and i pray these things in the name of your son amen tim's going to come up and do announcements and then we're going to worship all right there you go